Well, hello. Welcome to another King and Seven podcast. Um, this is now show 17. That's correct. I'm not guessing what show it is, because normally Brian has to help me out at this point. So it's show 16 or 17, but it is indeed show 17. And some of you might be thinking, well, it's been a while, Jonathan, since uh, we last heard from you. And that's because I had a little small incident a couple of weeks ago. Yes, a uh, small boo-boo on the finger. It resulted in blood and a hospital visitation. <laughs> but it's all stitched up now. It looks kind of weird. So you guys in studio, you know, try not to look at it, right? But uh, actually, Jonathan, I'm just noticing that you have no hair jelly tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just kind of look like, a bit off. Yeah, after after this uh, incident, you know, I think the Lord was uh, teaching me a couple of things about <laughs> vanity. <you Yeah>. <laughs> so, but now everything's good. Everything's good. Praise the Lord. I've still got um, on my fingers. Basically, what happened is uh, I was at the gym and a weight fell on my middle right finger and uh, it crushed the tip, and uh, I got to hospital. And uh, a guy called Dr. Brown, I gave him actually uh, this podcast to listen to. So if you're listening, Dr. Brown, thank you again for <laughs> saving my tip. I must have thanked him like a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. But yeah, uh, God is good. And uh, <coughs> hence we're back uh, this evening. Um, but a couple of announcements uh, before we begin. Um, in the two weeks we've been absent from the studio, I have posted uh, a couple of bonus shows Um there's a sermon that I preached a couple of weeks back at ICI Fellowship that's up there on the web uh, at kingandservant.com. And also I, I posted a, a radio show I did in Seattle. It was kind of like an epilogue to the Two Kingdoms debate that I did there. And uh, we discussed the uh, practical outworking of Two Kingdoms theology in uh, the political arena. And I'm not one for politics, but um, that was what the horse was interested in, wanted to talk about. We got a lot of interesting phone calls. Uh, it was great. I enjoyed it uh, thoroughly. Uh, so we didn't leave you with nothing. I uh, hope you're enjoying those two shows. Uh, also, uh, to remind you again, um, on the homepage, you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, there's a huge red logo, iTunes logo, on the right-hand side of the webpage. Just click on that, and that should immediately... Uh, subscribe you to the podcast and the shows will download to your iTunes uh, player. So, um, yeah, we're very happy with uh, the way things are going. Uh, we do have some other uh, plans for guests to come on the show. Um, in discussions right now with a gentleman who's wrote a book on prayer. We'll look at the theology of prayer. Um, we're going to have D.D. Warren back on the show. A lot of people enjoyed that. I got some feedback. Um and some of the guests as well should hopefully be on the show. And finally, before I introduce the guest that we have this evening, and uh, before I introduce the topic that we have at hand, um, I also want to make mention of um, some emails I've received recently. Um, and I want those people to realize or to know that I haven't just ignored the emails, okay? I plan to get to them. There was one email on Covenant Theology, which I think is actually going to take up an entire show. Maybe two. We'll have to see how that goes. And there's another one uh, on evangelism, and uh, it was like a personal experience somebody had, and uh, uh, I would, I think I mentioned to them rather that I would uh, tackle that, that email on the show as well. So it, that's all in the future, and uh, stay listening. But tonight we have uh, another special guest in the studio, and it's a change of pace for me personally, because we're going to talk about an area of ministry and a topic that uh, I'm somewhat impoverished in, shall we say. Um, I try to be uh, as uh, well-furnished as possible, as you know, in the <laughs> ministerial department. But if there was one, I'm just being honest here, folks, if there was one ministry that I would say, hands down, I 
don't really want to be involved in. Okay, I'm not saying this to my uh, <laughs> my betterment or glory here. Okay, this is to my detriment. Okay, uh, I, I bet the Lord's going to have something for me now in this area. <laughs> but if there's one area of ministry which I would shy away from it, let's put it that way, it would be youth ministry. Dun, so, dun, dun. Uh, so the Lord convicted me, and uh, two things happened. Um, first of all, uh, Brian Johnson, who's joined me again in the studio this evening. Hello, Brian. Hey, everybody. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be... Um, uh, basically starting up a youth ministry through ICI Fellowship uh, very shortly. Do you know the exact date? Has it started already? It's Simply starting this Saturday, actually. This, yeah. So this is a perfect time to talk about it yeah. in regards sure. to uh, ICI and what uh, Brian is doing. Um, but I thought Brian, although well experienced in ministry, might be a little green in this area. So we have, I would say, the... Uh, the substance of our dialogue tonight, our trilogue, uh, I brought in uh, Ron, who's a, a good friend of mine. I, uh, Rob. Rob. <laughs> Ron couldn't make it tonight, no, so Rob is in his stead. Rob. But he's a good friend of mine. Okay, you got to believe me when I say that. We're keeping this. You know, keep that in. Keep that in. It gives it a human touch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't just pretense, okay? You have to believe me. Okay, Rob, you are my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff in intro it, it, here. It's uh, funny you should say that because Ron's my father. <laughs> so it's not the first time in my life I've been called Ron. See, that's, Jonathan, that's where you say, I know. You're you're so it's, much it's in likeness like, of your own father. Yeah, that's right. It's fulfilling. Uh, you, you were know, very prophetic. All, all the expectations and prophecies that were made over you as a child, you know, it was just... Just being kind of encapsulated. It's so right funny there. because Rob, as soon as you said that, Rob gave me this look like, "Am I in the right show? Is this the right <laughs> studio?" <laughs> Does he know who he's talking to tonight? <laughs> but um, yes, I will not retract that uh, claim to friendship. <laughs> I actually met him a couple of well, a month ago now, and uh, we got into uh, a good conversation. And I asked him at the time if he would be willing to come on the show, and he said he would be more than happy uh, to do that. Uh, so we're very happy to have you this evening. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to look at youth ministry, the uh, biblical foundation, justification for youth ministry, and just explore some of the practical issues facing the youth ministry today, particularly in America and more locally in South Florida. Yeah. Um, so I just want to begin with uh, an introduction, Rob and Brian, before I let you guys kind of uh, sure. ch- uh, chime in and actually bring the substance of the uh, dialogue. And that is, is there a biblical justification for youth ministry. I touched on this a few weeks back when I announced it, and uh, there are some folks out there who might even be listening to this show, who I love in the Lord, who would say youth ministry really is just pop culture fads, and it should be immediately dissolved. I mean, I've spoken to individuals who have that conviction and persuasion. And I would say that you're welcome to have that conviction, but don't expect everybody to share that same right. conviction. Yeah. Because I believe there is biblical justification for it, not in a prescriptive sense, in the thus says the Lord sense. There's no scripture you can point to in all fairness in the Bible that says, right. thou shall do youth ministry. Because the youth culture, as we know, historically is a new thing. It is. It's 100 years old. Right, 100 years old. And yeah. hopefully we'll have time to touch on that as well and how that's developed over this uh, this last century. Um, but when you look at the scriptures, yes, the Bible does say uh, to contextualize. You know, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 9, I believe it is, when it says, to a Jew I became a Jew, to a Greek I became a Greek. And I think that alone is a sufficient foundation to give the liberty, at the very least, for youth ministry. Yeah. But I'll take it a step further. 
because some people might object and say, well, you know, when you look at that first, that's just talking about ethnic groups. We're not talking about people groups or age groups here or cultural movements. But when you look at Titus, uh, the, the pastoral epistle there, there's instructions to different age groups. Yeah. Young men, yeah. older men, young women, older women. And they're given different instructions. Now, I find it funny that um, the young men are just told to be self-controlled. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's 99% of their problem. Wait, 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 wait. 99. <laughs> <laughs> like, they'll do everything else. They'll play the guitar in the band and the worship team. They'll yeah. maybe even get involved in the, the ushering or the... The, the activities at, at the youth camp, but ask them to be self-controlled. It's oh, not happening. I don't think I can do that, bro. I don't think I can do that. So the reason I say that just in prologue here is just to highlight the scriptures that do give a springboard, uh, if you will, a platform for, for youth ministry. Yeah. So with that being said, let's, let's begin the, uh, the dialogue here. Uh, so Rob... My yes, friend. that is my name. That is your name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> That's a youth saying, right? Well, it was when I was a kid. Um, talk a little bit about what got you involved in youth ministry and uh, why you're still doing it today, why you haven't given up. Well, it's funny you should say that. Is you were speaking earlier when you were talking about how it's the one ministry you don't want to touch. I think you just pronounced your future. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I, I'm sorry you had to say that right now on the show. <laughs> I'm going to be going camping and everything. You'll right? be you'll be camping. You'll go to the beach. You'll stay up late all night long. You shall be visited gonna... by three spirits. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's going to need a Scrooge situation. <laughs> you'll be concerned with the gossip of teenage girls. Like, <laughs> you're going to know who's dating who. And I'm sorry. Uh, that's probably no, that, in your future. That whole, that whole thing. In fact, there's a few friends of mine who uh, asked me, you know, Jonathan, why are you not um, on Facebook more and all those modern tools of communication I'm yeah. like come on it's a woman's world and, <laughs> and that being said it's a young woman's world <laughs> what am I going to be doing on there you know can I just bump on knock you <laughs> yes <laughs> yes my friend yes so there's a couple of things it's nice to see that we have an agreement here just at the outset but yeah. I'm interjecting again so, so tell me once more about um, uh, how you felt called to youth ministry and uh, why you're still doing it to this uh, very day well, it, it's uh, it's interesting. When I was a teenager, I felt called to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I would have gotten a whole lot more dates in high school. It, out of my youth group, had I decided at an early age to be a youth pastor. Really? The, the truth of the matter is that that's the last thing I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the irony of it is my wife, my, my wife at the, at the time, she, you know, my future wife, mm-hmm. all she wanted to do was to be a youth pastor. Really, the irony of all this. So yeah. here we are, years later. We've been married mm-hmm. eleven years now, and we're in, we've been in youth ministry for ten years together. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how how God can take a heart for missions and turn into a heart for 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 youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And the, the the one thing I would like to say about youth ministry and the justification for it is we have no trouble justifying missionaries that, w- that would re- reach out to various cultures around the world, mm-hmm. whether it comes to learning the language, wearing the dress immersing themselves into that particular culture or subculture mm-hmm. and raising support around the country to do so, mm-hmm. all a youth pastor really is, it's a missionary to teen culture. Right, that he is d- domestic missions, if you domestic will. Domestic missions. Yeah. And I know that in the strict classical sense, a missionary is one who goes out to another country and plants churches. But the subcategories under that yes. classic definition, I don't think we need to be that watertight, you know, in our definitions. And that's why I gave that introduction a few moments ago, that things like youth ministry, because of the culture that we find ourselves in, 
uh, is is a group of people. It is a, a subculture that uh, we need to contextualize in, and uh, we need to reach out and not talk their language to the extent of you know doing the hip hop. What what do you call the hip hop talk today? Hippity hop, I think. Is yes, what it's called. Like, yeah. Imagine me doing that. You know, it's just uh, no thanks, right? I don't think anybody would want that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we don't we don't say okay. We now have to lower ourselves to the childish immaturity that's often in all fairness found in the youth culture but at least need to be aware of where they're at yes and then to be able to uh, bring our theology bring our understanding of God and the gospel down to that level and I think that's what youth ministry is about very much so and being there for them so continue on uh, in in that same vein you know you you said there that uh, your wife was very instrumental as far as navigating you to youth ministry, how youth ministry is uh, missions, but domestic. What beyond that has inspired you to to stick it out? Uh, the, the biggest thing that has inspired me not to run from youth ministry, which for all you that are listening that may be in youth ministry right now, you understand what I'm saying, is, is it can be very challenging and very stressful. But what matters to me is I believe we're, we're planting seeds for the future of our country and the future of our world. It doesn't take a, you don't have to be completely aware of, of your surroundings to understand that the time we live in historically will probably be studied very much so in the next 50 to 100 years. This is a very crucial juncture in history. Mm-hmm. And you, you better believe the enemy is doing his best with his generation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very much so. We, we have to do our best. Mm-hmm. And we're living at a time where, where the seeds that we plant in the life of these kids, we don't know who the future leaders of our nation are going to be. They may very well be in your church. Mm-hmm. And if we don't put the effort into influencing them, who will influence them? Absolutely. And it seems that a lot of the youth today, as I've observed it, and you might know better than I, but I sense that there is this type of um, isolationism in in the sense of um, there's nobody in a, very, in a real heart-to-heart sense ministering to them, yeah. uh, whether it's their negligence on the parents or the guardians because with the divorce rate right now and yeah. and broken marriages and broken homes um, and just just the way everything's departmentalized. Yeah. If, if you look at the school system, if you look at our social lives, it's very departmentalized at times. And I think some youngsters can just find themselves in that one pocket. Yes. And they don't get exposed to other things. Uh, that's why... In my experience, when I have been involved in youth ministry, believe it or not, right? I have. Been. I believe it very much so. <laughs> yeah, um, we would uh, uh, attempt to uh, take them out on like feeding programs to help the poor. Um, yeah. To uh, visit the widow and the elderly, um, because in that they get exposed to a whole other sphere of life that they're otherwise insulated from. You're exactly right. They're, this is a stage in their life where they're they're deciding who they are. And the, the intriguing thing with teenagers is they can be one way one day, another way the next day. And if you were 20-something, 40-something, it would seem entirely hypocritical. Mm-hmm. But to a teenager, they're exploring who they are. You, you know, they, they, around one group, they may be country music fans and, mm-hmm. and pretend to be half-hearted rednecks. Mm-hmm. And around another group, they, they, they could be complete intellectuals. Right. What they're doing is they're defining who they are. They're, they're figuring this all out. And that's the, one of the roles of the youth minister is, is we, we're part of that picture. We, we, we expose them to the need of others. We, we expose them to the value of, of looking beyond mm-hmm. what's in front of their noses. Right. And as you mentioned there about identity, 
and maybe Brian, you have a couple of thoughts on this as well, um, how it's so important that we have the youngsters find ultimately, not exclusively, but ultimately, their identity in Christ. Correct. I mean, they can do other things. They can have a childhood. They can have um, all those things that are permissible within youth culture. But at the end of the day, foundationally, to have their identity in Christ, that they are a Christian. They are a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think that will stand the test of time. That will survive the tempestuous waters they often find themselves in as they're kind of um, trying to figure out who they are and they find themselves in different social networks. You know, they're either at school or on the sports team or they're at the clubs or whatever it may be. It allows them to... uh, to get that identity. So, do you have any thoughts on that, Brian? No, I, I think what you just hit on was um, extremely pivotal. I, and I think I wish um, I wish more youth ministers out there understood the importance of teaching um, kids their position in Christ. Not not so much just the fellowship with Christ, but their position mm-hmm. um, as a believer and where their place is in, in Christ. And I, I think. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think if 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 kids can understand, if it, well, not just kids, if anybody can understand what their position is in Christ as a believer, then that will last them the you know every season of their life, not just this season. I think that's something that you can instill in in young adults that will last them throughout their entire life. And and I I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Brian. And 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 that's. And that's why uh, I felt to highlight at this point because you triggered that thought there about they don't know who they are sometimes. Yeah. And um, we think, oh, no big deal. You know, they're just working things out as they go. But I think if you don't have that foundation in Christ, the trajectory yes. can take you in all manner of directions. Yeah. And before you know it, I mean, uh, this is kind of a, a, an extreme example, but before you know it, uh, you have a needle in your arm. It, it's not extreme. It's it's yeah. very it's real life with many teenagers. Mm-hmm. Many teenagers will wake up days later in a place they never thought they'd ended up. Right. You know, I, I it many it's, it's one of the biggest heartbreaks in youth ministry is when you see a teenager that is mm-hmm. the core of your youth group and one of the foundations and not I mean one of the pillars of your youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Within it, it only takes a month. It only takes a short a brief period of time for them to sometimes one eighty on where they once were. Yeah, and, and a lot of times it's unintentional. The youth, the teenagers, in love with God. They they you, mm-hmm. they've absorbed what you taught them, but they haven't necessarily applied it to their life. Right. And be, before before they realize what's happened, mm-hmm. the the steps they've taken has taken them so far off course. That it takes quite a bit of correction to bring it back. Right. right. Luckily, we have the blood of Christ that forgives and right and the, and hopefully the mess isn't too deep. Right, and a lot of them do uh, rejoin the fault, yeah. but. In my brief experience in youth ministry, I did see the repercussions of that. And even when they were forgiven and brought back to the fold, if you will, uh, back into the fellowship, um, the scars that left. Unnecessary. uh, Unnecessarily. So I think another strength of youth ministry is um, preventative. Yes. That, um, yes, it's great to be pulled out of a hole. But it's a, it's better to say mind the hall, <laughs> and you don't fall it in fall in it in the first place, and that's why youth ministry is so crucial, because I think the influence a youth pastor can have, and that's why I respect you, Rob, uh, for the work that you do, and and for Brian as as you've uh, you know undertaken this new ministry, that you're being preventative, you're uh, hopefully safeguarding a lot of young people from going down the wrong path and falling into the wrong hole. 
And yes, they can be rescued from that hole, but how they come out of that hole can be quite different from the way they went in. Yes. So, Rob, if you could talk a little bit about the challenges that you're currently seeing in today's youth ministry. You mentioned a few moments ago how that um, the youth culture, as we understand it, as we call it today, uh, is about 100 years old. Yes. But how has that developed and what's it looking like today in your understanding? Well, it's an interesting thing. Youth culture, I think adolescence was coined as a phrase around the turn of the century. In fact, most people don't realize that the word teenager was coined by Reader's Digest and I think it was 1942. Really? So it's not. It's it is. We we look at history in terms of this stage in life always existing, mm-hmm. but it's a very it's a very recent recent concept. Um, one thing that the, the adolescence the term adolescence was coined by a, a psychologist mm-hmm. who had um, who believed that it was a time in, in a in a young man or young woman's life where they go out and explore and discover who they are. They involve they're involved in risky behavior. They're they're mm-hmm. pushing their boundaries and they and they come back from that. Mm-hmm. defined as an adult mm-hmm. but he allowed 18 months for this period in life wow. so for about 20 25 years it was it was commonly believed that adolescence was an 18 month period like, yeah like and that's it no more no more no yeah. more then you yeah you go into the 70s where it was it was 13 to 18 now we're looking at 11 to 28 29 and this is the scary thing the the um the scope of this is broadening each yeah. year and it's alarming and you find uh, grown adults still in the youth culture. Oh, very much. Yeah, and it, I'm not saying a grown adult can't be in the youth culture, but generally speaking, I think it's unhealthy uh, because, you know, the Bible does say when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And the youth culture uh, is celebrated in today's age because we are overall in a more immature culture. You know, we have entertainment we have uh, me- pop music and stuff like that in fact I was thinking about this very issue uh, just yesterday as I was preparing my thoughts for this for this show it's interesting when you look at classical music and Brian maybe you have some thoughts on this um, uh, you, you look at the composition of the music did I use the right word there composition yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the arrangement of the music and it seems to like tell a story and be gradual, and it builds... Without words. Yeah, without words. With emotion. With emotion. Has development. Has development, and even when it, it is <coughs> lyrically based, yeah. it, it seems to be well-crafted, and you have to be patient. Yeah. It doesn't come like a sugar rush, like pop music does today. Yeah. Now, if you take an example of you know, modern pop music today, it is like a sugar rush, you know, of, wow, it's, it gives you that high buzz for three and a half minutes doesn't really tell you anything about your experience right, or, or yeah. about your reality, but it gives you that buzz, gives you that fix, and then it's done, it's over. And I think that is um, indicative or speaks of the, um, the challenge we're facing, that yes, we want to reach out to the young people where they're at, but we want to see them uh, develop Yes. And progress from there. And it's not to say, okay, throw all your CDs. I know a lot of um, churches, well-meaning, yeah. uh, when they have uh, the evangelistic meetings, you know, some of them like to have the display of, like, the records and the cigarettes and the stuff being thrown at the front. I'm giving it up. Like, these crass ideas of what worldliness is. And those things can be worldly, of course. That's not in question. But, like, to say, like, to throw away the CDs, and therefore I am now 
on the right track with God. I am now on the right path. It doesn't necessarily follow. No. So I wouldn't be even telling these young people, people, get rid of all your secular CDs. It's just of all the devil. But I would say you need to gradually um, or even quickly uh, find the worth in higher quality things. I remember once teaching a, a, a Sunday school class of young people and I remember drawing on the whiteboard a pie chart and basically I took up 9% of the pie chart and filled it in with the word fun. Yes. And then the slither that was left, the 10% that was left was like work, thinking, love, things like that. <laughs> I said, right now your life will probably consist of this pie chart. 9% fun and activity and entertainment. And 10%, it's a fight, you know, for, for <laughs> thinking, for love. And, and for some young people, I'm selling sell them short. I know there's some young people out there who are years ahead of themselves. But by and large, I don't think I'm over-exaggerating. But anyway, um, in that example, I said to them, as you get older, that little slither we call thinking and love and truth and responsibility, that needs to increase. Yeah. And that fun yes. needs to decrease. And it's not as if you just get rid of fun. Fun changes as well. Yeah, but you want the youth to have a higher quality of life. And I was trying to stress to them a higher quality of life is found in things like thinking, reasoning, love, responsibility, working, sacrifice, thinking of others. And they accepted it when I uh, communicated these ideas to them. It was radical. It's like, wow, you mean one day I just won't be totally preoccupied with fun? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I've seen some adults who are, but you get the idea. So I don't know if you've had any thoughts on that. I mean, how, how is that as a challenge as far as trying to get people? It, well, it's it's oddly enough, one thing that I, I, I challenge the, the guys in our youth group, the, 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 men, the boys, I challenge them to become men. And that's an ongoing struggle with us. And, and I'm very happy to say that a lot of our guys are trying to become men. Mm-hmm. But, but with the irony of it is they're not challenged that way. Many of them are not challenged by their parents or either by, by the school system or by culture in general. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, hit, you hit on pop culture being an influence. Mm-hmm. I ask you, can you think of another time in history where pop culture was, was pointed towards 11, 12, 13-year-olds? Right. You know, you, you go back to our childhood, mm-hmm. what, what bands were popular and what did they sing about? It was music that was appreciated by right. by people in their 20s, people in their 30s, or right. even on up, even older than that. Mm-hmm. But for now, they they seem to be targeting the lowest denominator. So you have mm-hmm. not just youth culture in general, you have American or Western civilization in general mm-hmm. is pointed towards youth culture, Right. And yeah. which is sad. So what is there to aspire to but mm-hmm. childhood? Right, because that's seen as the apex of life. That's where the life is, because it's cool. Yeah. And um, I think uh, one of the things a young person needs to recognize is if you become a Christian, you have eternal life, but you're yeah. not necessarily cool. You know, you get eternal life, but that doesn't necessarily follow that you're going to be the coolest It's no guy. guarantee. It's no guarantee. <laughs> I think that's the best way Case to put it. Case in point, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, as I said, it's... It, it ne- doesn't necessarily follow. It could follow. Right? But, um, so do you want to talk uh, a little bit about that or anything you want, actually? Because uh, I'm probably talking too much here. So. No, it's, it's quite interesting you've, you, yeah. you know, what you're, the, the things that you're saying. So did you find that to be the case, that you find that um, uh, coolness is kind of enshrined as the... Not as much. One thing that I've noticed, we, we've, we've been in, in youth ministry about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. 
and which has been interesting because we've seen a transition in what in, in the generations. Mm-hmm. You, we saw the tail end of Generation X. They were mm-hmm. they're millennials, but we saw the mm-hmm. they were still mimicking their older brothers mm-hmm. to, to straight on millennial youth ministry, which is mm-hmm. what we're in now. And one thing that we noticed is when we first started, they would um, you knew what was cool. They, cool was clearly defined. Mm-hmm. There was cool and there wasn't cool. Right. It, now it's as if youth culture is splintered into a thousand subcultures. Right. So if it's not cool with this group, you're going to be cool with this other group. Right. So, so coolness it's, it's no has longer, lost, its, yeah. lost its, its appeal. It's no longer said by the bell. You know, no. That no. Zach guy, he's the cool guy and screeches the geek. Yeah. I, I think it's more blurred now because of the variety. Very and, much so. And, and the rise of the individual. So in one sense, that's a, that can be a good thing. I see like a way out for many young people with that. It is. I, I think, I think it, it, well, it, it escapes, you escape more wedgies. Right, you, look, you, do. you look I mean, on the bright, the bright side. side yeah. right. <laughs> you know, high school would have been much easier without being dumped in a trash can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so were you ever dumped in a trash can, Brian? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I didn't think you were. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't either. I, yeah. I was just close. trying to be funny. Yeah, so. I, I came close one time, but uh, <laughs> I used my English wit. <laughs> I think I said, I'll tell the teacher or something like that. <laughs> I'll tell, I'll tell. I'll tell, yeah, I was such a telltale. <laughs> yeah, but um, actually speaking of which, I just uh, triggered another thought. I think another thing that is facing the young people today is um, acceptance by their peers. I don't think that's gone away. No, not at all. Even though we have this kind of more sporadic youth culture that's more of like a vague nebulous, but um, bullying. I don't know if you heard on the news recently, but a, a girl recently committed suicide. I think it was regional because she was bullied uh, so much at school and she just couldn't take it anymore. And I find that in youth ministry, um, the young people... I'm not so much interested in become the coolest thing on the block, although yeah. some of them are. I think some of them are looking for a refuge, a place to land. Yes. But like, I, I, just, I just want to uh, come to a place where the people are not going to bully me, I'm not going to feel bullied, and I'm going to have um, a peace of mind about that. Um, and I think that can be very damaging to, to a young person. Um, like Calvary Chapel, one of the things I like about their school is they have a policy, I've been told, that they have zero tolerance on bullying. Yeah. Uh, so have you ever encountered that in youth ministry, like uh, young people struggling with bullying, or is, is that... I, I, haven't, I haven't encountered a lot of direct bullying. Yeah. The bullying I've encountered mostly, and I hate to, to stereotype and generalize in the sense, yeah. but it, it's a lot of times it's the girls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The girls. They, you, right. You, oh, yeah. Every youth group has them. As I said, if you're a youth pastor out there, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You've got the girl that, 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 that does her best to, to be in the middle of, of the gossip, in the middle of the mm-hmm. of the drama, create drama. And a lot right. of times she'll turn her guns on another girl, right. maybe a girl that she feels threatened about in the social <laughs> hierarchy. Uh, it just seems to be the case. In fact, there's a study, uh, I remember my dad telling me uh, a few years back, of uh, observing young infants in a room full of toys. And it was interesting when they put the young boys into the room, uh, they just basically went into their own corner and played with their own toys. Oh, wow. And there was occasional dialogue, but it was about the toy. It was about the truck or, <laughs> you know, the That's car. That's my sons. <laughs> right. There was really not much dialogue going on at all. However, you put the girls, the infant girls, in the same room, and within moments almost the tie kind of gets shelved a little bit and so who are you and where are you from and, <laughs> and then they get to know one another and the tie becomes secondary if not you know completely abandoned and they start chatting to one another 
Yes. So I think just the way they're made by God, by God's design, uh, for his glory, um, just lends itself to the more social side of things and the more interactive side of things. Um, certainly guys from the northeast of England, where I'm from. Well, they're awesome. They're, oh, yeah, Especially they're, from Durham. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think you told me one time that you, you told me one time, right, you went to Newcastle. Okay, yes. It was my neck of the woods. Scariest town I've ever been into. <laughs> it's the only town in England where you heard gunshots. <laughs> so On the, Sunday morning Sunday with morning. the sun up. So the guys from my neck of the woods aren't the most sophisticated you know, or uh, emotionally sensitive group of guys there is. Uh, so that's kind of my uh, background. Uh, that's why uh, I guess I'm an, an exception there because I'm in ministry and people say that you know I have sensitivities and things like that you know <laughs> and whatnot um but um have have you experienced that as well have you experienced um uh, the dichotomy between the girls and the boys you know she, or do they generally kind of get on well and uh, they, they seem to get along well but as i said most of the the, the issues that i've ran into with, with between you know social problems tend to tend to be girl centered mm-hmm. what's funny with the guys is um You'll you'll see two guys in an argument, mm-hmm. and sometimes it sometimes it gets a little rough. Mm-hmm. You go in there, you break it up, you have a talk with them. Mm-hmm. Next day later, they're hanging out, they're friends again, mm-hmm. or at the very least, they keep a distance. I know this is a stereotype, mm-hmm. but I really found the stereotype to come true more often than not. Was well, the reason it's a stereotype? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, with, with the girls, sometimes you don't know the troubles brewing. Me as a guy, I'm unaware. I mean, I, I, I've been watching teenagers for a long time, and I still can't always see the. The undercurrent that's developing between the two the two girls sometimes. The time I, I see it coming, the damage has been done. The right. dorsal fins swimming away and there's blood in the water. Yeah, I think guys generally are more one-dimensional. I think so. And My wife can pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the amount of times I've heard guys kind of respond like this. What? That was eh? happening? Really? How long? To who? Why? And like the wife can be, didn't you know? <laughs> didn't you see it? No, well, no. I just uh, I thought they were fine. <laughs> as long as there's not like blood being spilled, everybody's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just the way. I mean, again, I'm overgeneralizing, and uh, but um, I think it stands up to scrutiny that we do see that. Um, so, what are your hopes and aspirations? And then I want Brian to talk about your hopes and aspirations as well, as far as youth ministry goes. What would you like to see? particularly in the work that you're currently doing, and then in youth ministry in general, what direction would you like to see it uh, to go in? Well, at our church, what I would like to see mm-hmm. is, now, i just like to, to preface that by saying we've been there five years mm-hmm. in this position, which has just been a blessing. Mm-hmm. The average youth pastor stays in a location, I think it's eight months. Mm-hmm. That's the last time I heard the statistic. So there's stages that I didn't even know existed. In my last two positions, I was there a year. Mm-hmm. A year and a half at the other position, and I, I'm very ashamed to say that. We're at the point now where, where many of the kids that are going to be graduating the next two years came up through our youth ministry and started mm-hmm. in middle school. And my hope for them is that they, they, they first continue the faith. The, uh, the, the statistics are staggering. I wish I could quote them for you, but I can't. But the amount of teenagers that go through a youth ministry and when they graduate high school, never come back to the church or wait until way later in their life. Right, right. Yeah, I remember my dad once uh, teaching at a youth ministry. And uh, to begin with, I think it was his way of just getting order. <laughs> but it was, it was a very uh, revealing uh, s- statistic. He got the, uh, the, the youth group uh, to split 50-50 and stand on either side of the uh, sanctuary. 
and he basically okay. said once they all got situated either side, he said, probability is 50% of you will not be walking with the Lord four years from now, three years from now. Wow. Something will happen. Um, an event will take place in your life or you'll come under uh, a particular influence of some kind. And for whatever reason, you will not be walking with the Lord. And um, I, I, I uh, sadly say... That's my observation as well, and as you said there. Um, so it's very alarming. It is. To think that you can have so many people in the youth ministry and yet so many uh, leave and don't come back for many years, if at all. So as far as remedies to that, I mean, what type of remedies do we have? You mentioned longevity. I think at the the youth pastor staying in that position, yeah, given stability, given longevity uh, to his work, I think that goes a long way but is there anything else you've observed that will uh, keep the uh, the young people in the main on the right track uh, on the right track I, th- I think one of the keys is, is to prevent it from being a phase in their life mm-hmm. I noticed that there's points when it's easy for teenagers to, to jump ship you know the first phase is when they go from middle school to high school they, they, they adopt a new identity they, they are no longer middlers now they're high school students their friends are different their taste in music changes their dress changes the hormones are even different and sometimes they, they, they leave behind middle school them and part of that can be the youth ministry so phase one if we can keep them there through that transition and then keep them you know passionately mm-hmm. in love with Jesus Christ yes. and learn to walk and trust him and then the second phase would be after graduation I think one of the primary things is that one of the things I've noticed especially this year is we've had a lot of youth that have for lack of a better word had new experiences this year in, in many different directions that, mm-hmm. that, that haven't all been good experiences and, and a lot of them they deal with I've changed now because of this experience. I, mm. My worldview is different. I, it's, it's harder to talk to God. It's harder to pray. I feel, don't feel clean when I come to surge. I don't feel when I come to youth group that I am that I'm deserving of God. And one of the things I try and point out to them is when 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 you accepted Jesus five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, He forgave you, didn't He? Yeah. Mm. Well, he knew you were going to do this. He knew yeah. you were going to screw up. He knew it was going to happen, but yet he took you into his kingdom. He's not surprised, but yet he forgives and he loves you. The worst thing you can do is to distance yourself from him. I think that's one of the keys is learning how to fail and turn failure into right. the success. And teaching grace. Yeah, grace is not very easy, important. Not easy believism, but I think inside we are all lawyers. We have the law that on our hearts. So we have a tendency to... Um, try and justify either our position or if we do wrong we say well I can't possibly go back there because I don't deserve it I'm like yes you finally got it you don't deserve it yeah you are you. a wretched <laughs> sinner I'm a wretched sinner that's why we need grace and I think grace and the gospel has to be taught over and over and over again to them another thought that I had and then Brian I'd like to get your thoughts as well um, is I think one of the other keys that we have as far as keeping them is you know I said a few moments ago about pop culture it's like this sugar rush and then it just fizzles out Um, I think rather than getting the young people to uh, conform to the standard you know this is the law this is the standard this is how you need to perform this is how you need to be now you call yourself a Christian we want to get them to love the standard yeah that this is where the life is this is where the joy is this is where the future is this is where your life takes on definition substance well, there's freedom. They, we can teach them that they truly understand freedom. Yeah. The guilt is not there. 
Right. You know, when I, when I live for God, the way you know, if I if I choose to trust God in my life, mm-hmm. this is what I'm trying to instill in my teenagers: a sense of destiny. Mm-hmm. That God has a plan for each of them, but will they step into that destiny, or will they run from it, or will they try to be the best best Katrina Katrina wants, or be the best Katrina God wants? And and I, I think I think when when you discover that, when you step into that, that's when freedom comes. That's when joy comes into your life and purpose. Yes, and just kind of getting them by God's grace to see that, to see that uh, by surrendering to God, you're not giving up this wonderful life that you could have had. And I think that's the lie of Satan. I think Satan gets in at that point and packages this this youth culture in a way by saying, hey, you're going to miss out. Yeah. You are not going to fulfill your potential. I mean, look at how good looking you are. Look at how talented you are or how successful you could be how appreciated you could be by the world. Pursue that, do that. And I think that's the subtlety of Satan. But don't go to church. Don't commit your life to Christ. Because, hey, you won't fulfill your potential. Well, You'll I, miss out on life. I'd I like to just add to that. If you mm-hmm. look at the, the pop culture stars in the wild lifestyle that many of them have that mm-hmm. you hear all the time on the news, and how long is it before they wash out? Ah, it's name the stars of the past five or ten years, and how many of them were in the middle of the news and no longer are. And you hear all the only thing you hear about them is rehab, or they were they got a picture taken doing this. Yeah, you can tell they're in a downward spiral. You can't exist and live the way that they're portraying. We're not built for it. It's a myth. Yeah, and it's getting the young people to see the mythological nature of uh, stardom. This idea that we're all going to be famous. Yeah. YouTube. YouTube, yeah, YouTube. I mean, that just, uh, I think, just encapsulates it, you know. That w- everybody's going to be famous. In fact, there was a secular author in England called Ben Elton who wrote a book called uh, Blind Faith. And in it, he uh, kind of overturned uh, the uh, novel 1984. You know, the novel 1984 about Big Brother with all the cameras and the security. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what he did is, you no, know, in this society. Oh, well. Yes, exactly. In this society, he said, um, everybody legally has to be famous for at least 15 minutes. And those who want to live a private life are kind of viewed with suspicion and kind of ostracized. And those who don't have aspirations to be famous are kind of persecuted. I thought that was a marvelous uh, insight of where we're going as a culture. You know, we have the Facebook, we have YouTube, my my face, whatever you call it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, I don't know what I want to do, I just want to be famous. Because... The media has taught me that's the way I'm going to be happy and find fulfillment. Uh, so th- I think that's where <coughs> we're at as a culture, and that's what we're facing in youth ministry. But, Brian, if I could get your thoughts as well, because you've been very good here, just allowing us to go at it. But you're going to be starting up the ICI uh, youth ministry. Yeah. Um, as far as aspirations, what are some of your goals, and uh, well, how can we best I, pray? I, good question. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what, what my goals are not. Um, and that is I'm not looking to build uh, a youth ministry from two people to 200. I mean, if that's what happens, then, you know, praise the Lord, and Mm -hmm. and I hope that he gives me the wisdom to manage something like that. Mm -hmm. But that's not, my goal is not to fill um, as many seats as I can. Um, I'm hoping that that's more of a byproduct than it is a direct goal. But we we were talking earlier, I I was listening to you guys talk earlier about some of the challenges with, youth ministry and, and, you know, this, this culture. And I, I think for me, as I'm kind of thinking out loud, I'm, I, I think one of the misconceptions that, that I could make or that any youth leadership can make is to 
over glorify the youth culture. Yeah. And yes, it is, you know, I think the mistake that we make a lot of times is we look at youth culture as some foreign language, like trying to understand Icelandic and nobody knows how to speak it. And oh, somebody knows how to speak it. So let's mm-hmm. let's put the, the man or the woman in position. And, and let's I, I understand um, the complexities of youth culture. But I think what we need to do is kind of sift through the trend, sift through um, the fluff and, and find the core issues of life. You know, and we talked about bullying, you know, and I, I was sitting here thinking, you know, that's a core issue of life. You know, if, if, if I think I think a mistake that we can make is, is teaching kids and young adults that bullying is a seasonal thing in, in youth culture. And then once you get past time in your life, you won't have to deal with that again. What, that's a lie. That's just life, you know. And, yeah. and ex- instead of calling them, you know, getting bullied from your peers later on life, you you exchange the word peers for colleagues or you exchange yeah. the word colleagues for employer. So I, I think I think if you look at it from a perspective of, you know, I don't want to I don't want to try to show this young person how to get through this season of their life. More or less I want I want to try to teach scripturally, you mentioned Titus mm. and that was kind of the that's like the foundational scripture passage chapter mm. two when Paul's really encouraging Titus on how to really structure ministry, clean up the mess a little you know, I I think I, I think what we need to do is look at the core issues of life and how to start teaching them at this age how to um, project themselves through life. And as a believer, I think, uh, I, I think you know, Rob, I, I'm sure you'd agree with me. I think one of the, the biggest challenges that we're going to face is trying to teach young kids how to live exclusively in a pluralistic society. Yeah. I think that's going to be really, really hard mm-hmm. um, for a um, for uh, you know a young adult to come into any service or to come in any contact with us and um, hear that Christ is the only way. When you know they've got half of their friends are Muslim and half of their friends are this and half the, and the other half of their friends have kind of made up their own. You know, so I, I think. You know, I, I think that's going to be uh, extremely difficult. I, I, I don't think it's any more difficult than what it's been throughout history. But, no. you know, I think just if I were to look at American culture, I think you're seeing Christianity diminish to the point that it's no longer a, a, a dominant um, a dominant religion in our culture, I think. And mm-hmm. it's being put on the same shelf as everything else. And, and, and you know, the tone that is being set for this country is how everybody can have their own beliefs to tell somebody, listen, Christ is the only way. And they're saying, well, what are you talking about? Mm. All of our legislation, everything is coming from coexisting with um, a Mm multi-religious society. And you're telling me that all those other religions are wrong. That's going to be tough stuff. I think so. Well said. Um, In in fact, I was just thinking as you were uh, going through that issue, um, they won't call it this. The young people, maybe a few of them might, but it's postmodernism, yes. solipsism. Oh that, yeah, yeah. That my personal subjective experience—that's what's true, and I can't even put it into words. I can't even put it into propositional statements. Just my personal inward subjective experience. So subjectivity over objectivity yes. is winning the day in youth culture yes, it because is, it's yeah. emotionally driven. So. As you were saying there, Brian, yeah. uh, very, very appropriately. No, was, I even, yeah, yeah Rob, you, you had yeah. talked about subculture splintering very into all so. these different facets. And di- that, that's exactly, Jonathan, what you were just talking about. It's, it's, it's become the point to where everything is just so pluralistic. Mm. And it's going to be hard 
and, and you know what? The decision to accept Christ, the decision to surrender to Christ is mm-hmm. going to be really, 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 really tough for young kids. And, you know, when, you know, scripture talks about counting the cost. And, and I think, I think kids are going to be really counting the cost, you know, of, of surrendering, surrendering to Christ. And, and I think another thing is I'm thinking off the top of my head, I, I think one of the goals I have set for myself is not to compete with MTV. No, you can't. Uh, as a youth you ministry, uh, you know, or you know, as a youth minister, I, that's uh, I think that's a mistake that a lot of youth ministries make is they're trying to create an alternative to MTV. They're trying to create an alternative to um, trendy life, and, and you you can't you can't compete with that. You, you youth minist- really looks ministry has to be more core. It has to be it has to be bigger than just that. You know, yeah. um, we really need to teach them timeless truths. Yes. Uh, rather than timeful truths. Yes. I think that would be the, the, the cliche. If you yeah, will. But, sure. I but, like it, but I think it stands true that we want those truths, those biblical truths, that regardless of what culture they find themselves in, regardless of what age they're in, they can rest on that and that check won't bounce. Yeah. So it needs to be solid, it needs to be foundational, it needs to be scriptural, and we don't want to uh, be competing with the MTVs of this world. In fact, one of the things I like to see happen is when a young person doesn't necessarily th- throw out his TV and renounce MTV as, you know, the, uh, the spawn of Satan, but kind of, you know, <laughs> but, 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 but basically uh, just kind of enjoys church, yeah. goes to church to worship Christ, to receive the Word of God, to worship God in spirit and truth, and occasionally, yeah, he likes music, yeah. but it's, it's relegated. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to disarm it. I think when we're like, we've got to get rid of it. Yeah. We've got to legislate something here. Then I think we increase its its, its strength yeah. and its appeal. But you're competing with it then. Right. We're not competing with it. We're just saying, in comparison to Christ, it's a bit boring. Yeah. I think the key That's is... That's what it is. It, the youth culture without outside of Christ is boring. I think the key is what defines them. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your goal is, is, to, is not to let the music they listen to define them, mm-hmm. but you want Christianity to define them. Right. You want God to define them. Exactly, exactly. So, I'm very happy with uh, this show. Thank you for both your thoughts. But just in closing here, I um, just want to give you both a final few words. Uh, Brian, do you have anything that uh, you'd like to uh, Well, I, I just, on? yeah, maybe for those of you that are listening, maybe there's some of you that are getting ready to, to take on um, a youth ministry, maybe just like myself, I start Saturday. So, um, <laughs> and and maybe some of you are praying about a calling to youth ministry. You feel you've been called to, to youth ministry, and you're still searching that out and discovering that. And but you know, I, my situations—I um, don't want to say it's extremely unique, but I've we have a church of I don't know thirty-five, forty of us, and mm-hmm. I'm starting with a youth ministry of two. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, I, I I searched scripture for ground to stand on, and what I what I came across was the Titus passage, and and I really I really enjoyed reading how, you know, Paul says, old men teach young men, and older women teach young women, and that's that's what I'm presenting them um, on Saturday when I meet with with Anthony and Destiny. I'm sh- I'm just going to say that's what this is is teaching you mm-hmm. who you are in Christ how to serve him, how to walk under him, how to worship him throughout your entire life. So, um, I, yeah. Yes, praise God. And Rob, um, well, any, I, any concluding thoughts as well? As? I'd just like to say, Brian, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That honestly, 
I'm, I'm very glad to know that you're going into youth ministry. I think it's going to be a good fit for you. I'm accepting prayer requests as we speak. If we had a phone <laughs> number, there would be one flashing right now. You know, but most of this show has been about some of the challenges and the negativity that we mm-hmm. face in youth ministry. But I want to tell you, if you were called to youth ministry, there is no better life. I, I would not trade being a youth pastor for any anything, any mm-hmm. other job, any other ministry, any other place. I love what I do. I mean, where else can you go to the beach as part of your job? <laughs> you, you know, Apart from a lifeguard, but then you've got all those responsibilities. You've got the responsibilities. <laughs> you know, we, the, 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 aside from the events, the camp outs, and, and uh, I'm 35 years old and I still have spring break. You know, but aside, aside from the, those benefits, the, the truth of the matter is we get to be part of life's change and we get to be part of, of a seed being planted for the future. This is an exciting ministry. Yeah, it's a very positive thing to to uh, to be actively involved in. It, it is, and yeah. you see the Spirit of God move in ways. You, youth, young people are open to God. Don't, don't be fooled when you, don't be fooled that this is a cold generation to God. I, I, I have seen teenagers come to our youth group that mm. were atheists, that ran to the altar weeping without an altar call. It's because of the presence of God. Young people are looking mm. for God. And I would just say this to any any youth pastor that's listening or someone praying about about jumping off this cliff <laughs> is it, the biggest piece of advice I'm going to give you is be present. Be present in their life. Don't be present in in the program. Be present in their life. And, that, and that's what teenagers are looking for. They're surrounded by programs. They want you. They want someone that will talk to them and tell them the truth. They they will to be you know will not back down with the truth, but will love them even when they. Yeah. Run from the truth. Be present. Yeah, and that gives eternal fruit. I would argue. Yes. You know that scripture. In, I think it's First Thessalonians two, when Apostle Paul said, "What is my joy? What is my crown of rejoicing? Is it not you in the presence of the Lord at His coming?" That's really what's at stake here. Yeah, this is not a light thing. This is not a hobby. This is not a social club. This is life and death situations here. And by his grace, he has commissioned us as the church to to reach out to a lost and dying world. And there is a group of people that we recognize today known as the youth. Yeah. And we need to, uh, to wise up and to recognize um, our responsibility and our privilege in this area. So thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, thank you to my guests, Rob and thank you. Brian, once more for having this uh, great discussion with us. And uh, next week, uh, we'll do something different. I've got a couple of things in mind. uh, But uh, until we see you next time, may the Lord continue to bless the study of his word. God bless you all.